specifically a Southern American, and uh, thank you, one, one person. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so I don't sleep properly like y'all do, so I'd appreciate if you were to give me a little bit of grace. Um, I will say that going to the school, it was quite interesting, being the only Southerner, and uh, everyone uh, picked that up very quick, and they knew immediately that I was from the South. And, and uh, if I'm being honest, there were quite a few jokes that were made, and uh, I'm not going to name who they were. Some of them are here tonight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but I must say, the best comment, or the most creative comment that I've heard about uh, the Southern accent was made by an Englishman who was uh, one of the students at our school who is not on our team. Uh, yeah, they know. Uh, one night we were sitting together, and uh, it was a group of us all together. We were just relaxing and hanging out as a group. And uh, he said, oh, Daniel, you are so fluent in the language of banjo. <laughs> I must say, that was probably the most creative comment I've ever heard for the Southern accent. It caught me off guard, and uh, yeah. And it was pretty good. It was, it was a pretty good joke. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, today um, I felt that the Lord uh, has desired for me to share a message about intervals and judgments. Um, <clears throat> um, inner judgments and vows are so powerful, more so than than we realize, even believers. Um, <clears throat> Operating in judgment and making intervals will actually result in spiritual consequences, whether we like it or not. Um, there are so many people in the world right now, believers or also non-believers, who are operating in judgment and are reaping the consequences of doing that. But, however, that's not God's desire for us. He desires for us to walk in total freedom from judgments and intervals. And um, so tonight... Uh, we're going to look into what inner vows and judgments are, um, how they're defined, how they form, and what, and what the consequences are and, and when we operate in them, and also how to partner with the Lord and to break hold of them so that we can walk in total freedom. All right? All right. All right. Amen. All right, let us begin. So uh, first of all, before I go any further, I would like to share my personal testimony. I have quite a, quite a history of experience with dealing with the two. Um, as a child, I battled severe health issues. To give uh, a brief summary or context, uh, at, six, at six days old, excuse me, at six days old, I had open heart surgery as an infant, and um, I lost the functioning of my right lung in the process not long after birth. And I was actually sent home to die by the experts. Um, it was, in terms of how long I would survive, it seemed to them that it would be maybe max a year, maybe if not that. But praise God that I'm still alive, um, absolutely. But however, as a result of this the condition that I had or that I'm, I'm still facing, there are many hardships you know, that I had to deal with as a child, you know, especially medically. However, there was also another hardship that I contend with, 
and that would be persecution and bullying. Um, I wasn't really accepted by most people. And I was always treated like the outcast by my, outcast by my peers at school. You know, I was the guy that you know, no one kind of wanted to hang with because I was too different or I was too disabled in their eyes. And elders would just bully me for simply being different. I mean, just either physically or mentally. You know, I'd also say my personality was also different compared to what you might typically find at school, especially within, you know, guys. You know, I was much, I was much different. You know, I didn't fit the mold, per se, that, that you know, you would think of as a, as a guy in school or, or especially high school. And I did have the Lord... You know, during the during that time, to give me comfort and the strength to persevere and to endure, which I'm you know, forever grateful and thankful for that. However, from time to time, I would fall into judgment towards the people that bullied me, and you know, out of anger and pain, like I would say things such as, "Oh, they're mean and hateful. They're awful people. You know, it's they're so terrible." And in those moments, I would then make a vow in response to that in response to my, what I was going through. And, and, and a vow that I would make typically would be, usually it would be like this. I'll always be an outcast and treated poorly by other people. And and sounds like a simple sentence, but it was actually quite powerful because I believed it in the time and there was, actually, and there was an actual weight to what I spoke, a weight that I struggled with from time to time. You know, as a child, you know, a struggle with isolation emerged as a result. Um, whenever I would find myself in pain, my answer would usually be solitude, away from other people. Like, that's how I would deal with it. You know, I, because I felt like, oh, I'm getting treated poorly. I need to be alone instead, you know. And I still had my family to help. You know, I would always go to my family, but they were the only ones I would run to, you know. Um, but... And also another judgment that I would make from time to time, even as a child, which was a big one, was one that I would make towards God himself. Um, such as, it's all his fault. Everything I'm going through is because of him. And, and then I would say, oh, Lord, if you loved me, I wouldn't be going through this right now. I would be healed. And I would, and I would have, I guess you'd call it a prosperous life, because I would look at other people. Oh, they're prosperous. They're doing great, and I'm and I'm in a mess. Now that's how I viewed myself. You know, I saw myself as a mess because I was going through a mess, or at least I allowed myself to see myself that way. And and the vow would come into my mind as a response to the judgment that I would make towards God. And I would say, Oh, I don't need Him to help me. I can just figure this out on my own. You know, I I can do it. I've got the strength to figure this out. I don't, I don't need God because, because it seems like he's not doing a good enough job. Which was not the right thing to say. Or to believe in that moment. Um, and as a response to that vow, um, that carried much weight as well as, as the first one. Um, <clears throat> from time to time, I would have trouble trusting in the Lord for what he had for my life as a result of that. Because it, it would sort of be like an in and out of like, oh, like, oh, I trust him, I don't trust him, because there's so much uncertainty and doubt that would arise, because I allowed myself to be filled with that uh, resentment and bitterness towards him in regards to my situation as a boy. Um, 
and I would try to do things on my own, and they always would backfire, and it never worked out. And I know from experience that going on your own, it may seem smart in the moment, but in the long run, it's not the way to go. It's not. Um, Fortunately, I would eventually come to my senses and approach the Lord in repentance and ask for his forgiveness. And whenever I would, he would always speak to me about the importance of, of, of the, the power of judgment and also how my words had immense power and to use them wisely, regardless of where they were directed at, whether it be him or the people or towards myself, to always be wise and mindful of how I spoke. And this would happen all throughout my years in school because I pretty much faced bullying every year. You know, it was, this, it was the norm, unfortunately. Um, fast forward to high school there was actually there, there was a drastic change in my life I, um, it was as if I began to feel worn, worn down spiritually and my behavior reflected that it reflected that it was something that even my family noticed um, my compassion towards others had lessened instead I became more critical this would come to a head when I endured a traumatic experience of bullying from my peers during my senior year of high school, which was very traumatic. It was probably one of the worst things that ever happened in my life in terms of the scope and magnitude that it happened. And these are people that knew my story, knew my situation, knew my vulnerability, and they just took the opportunity immediately in terms of to take advantage of me. And in the aftermath of this experience... I fell into a deep state of anger and resentment. And, and my response was, of course, solitude. But this time it was from everyone, including my family. You know, even it seemed that as if my family couldn't reach me. You know, I was alone. I, I didn't want anything to do with anybody. You know, just, I just wanted to be me, myself, and I. And I was even debating on turning my back towards God because of, because of what I had gone through. And this led to a, down, a, a further downward spiral in my life, and it was a miserable experience. It was not fun at all. It just made things even worse. And after the span of months, I, I would finally return to the Lord, you know, broken in pieces, and realizing, oh, Lord, I need you. Please help me. You know, I can't do this alone. I'm, I'm broken. I'm hurt. And there's so much, I need, I need help. Can you please help me? With, you know, with, with an absolute repentant heart. And, and I mean, I was practically almost begging on my knees for his help. And, and this began a journey that I've been walking through for at least the past five years. You know, I thank the Lord because he was absolutely willing and gracious enough to say, yes, I, I want to help you and I will partner with you in working on your heart. And it has been a long experience. And uh, some days have been harder than others. However, he's been faithful in the process because he's always faithful. Um, and in that time, he le- he's led me through multiple areas of breakthrough and incredible growth. Much of it happened while I was actually part of the school of ministry, which uh, was absolutely wonderful. Despite this, however... There were 
still issues with judgments. Old behaviors such as old behaviors such as isolation were still present. Deep within myself, I knew that there was there had to be a reason. You know, why is it I'm still dealing with this? Why am I still? Why does this still feel like a roadblock? You know, and 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 why why am I still dealing with this and that? You know, there has to be a reason. And very recently, I approached him for answers. I, I, I was in my my you say dorm room in, in the school, and I was asking, Lord, you know, reveal it to me. What is it? You know, what's the reason? Because I know there's a reason. And he revealed a very hard truth that I didn't want to hear. Because <laughs> uh, I will say he's very good at doing that. Um, but he revealed to me that I still carry judgments that I made towards myself as a boy out of shame. And specifically, uh, when I had asked him and I was sitting you know, down and listening to him, he brought me back to a time when I was a boy when I would look at myself in the mirror and I would say things over myself repeatedly. You know, for, you know, for example, I would say, I'm not good enough, I'm weak, I'm unwanted, I've always been outcast, no one wants me. You know? And I would say this as a boy. Like, it wasn't just a one-time thing. Like, that was from time to time. And, and, and also, too, you know, whenever I would, whenever I would you know, see myself... I'd say, you know, shirtless, I, to this day, I still have the scar that, you know, I had from the, from the surgery. When I was a boy, I hated that scar. I hated looking at it. You know, just, and like, I hated, you know, like, for example, like if I went swimming somewhere, I hated to take my shirt off because it was, to me, it was, it was a source of shame. You know, to me, it was, it was, it was, it was a visible sign of weakness, you know, and, and, and I would speak over that as well, like, oh, you know, oh, look at that, you know, you know, I'm not good because of this or that. You know, I'm, I'm weak. Look at this scar. When that's not really the truth. And, um, and in turn, I made vows in response. Such as, I'll never have friends. I'll forever be an outcast. And even though I so desire to connect with other people and I want to have friends, there's no point, so, don't, so why bother? You know, just stay alone. And whatever problems that I might have, deal with it by myself. Because if I because if I try to ask for help, that's a sign of weakness. And years later, I was still walking the effects of it, even though they were vows that I had made years prior. I was still walking. I was still reaping in the sowing of those vows. And even at even at the school of ministry, I battled it. You know. Like for like for example, I um, I had trouble with connecting other pe- with, with other people. I felt so awkward when I would try to interact with people, and there were times where I would sit with or I would be in a group of people, and I felt so terrible and so awkward. I would go straight to my room and rather just be alone. But the thing is, though, is that I was so I gotten so good at hiding it to where no one no one could really pinpoint. Oh, oh, something's wrong with them. No, like they wouldn't have been able to unless if I had told. Because as a, as a boy and as I was growing up, I had gotten good at I had gotten good at uh, being an actor in terms of just you know just putting on that front where you're fine when you're really not, which which is also unhealthy and it's not the way to go either. And 
he ex- the Lord explained to me how the judgments and vows that I made towards myself had become self-fulfilling prophecies. After this revelation, he began to speak his truth over me. And I heard, and I heard him say this. Remember that you are my child, Daniel. I've always loved and adored you. Let me help cleanse you from, ju- from these judgments. I'll help you pull up these roots. I quickly accepted his offer. This started a process that I'm currently walking through right now. It hasn't been easy, but I must say that I'm already beginning to see the fruit come out of it. And I'm still walking through it, and I feel there's still much more for me to unearth with the Lord and to um, help deal with and cleanse. But I must say that the progress has been made, and I thank God for that. So that was my story and my testimony regarding judgments and vows. So now let's look at judgments and vows and defined and how they form. So I'm sure that many of us have heard about judgments and vows before. However, it's imperative that we look into what they are and how they're formed so we can have a better understanding. A judgment is when we judge someone with ungodly motivation. Judgments can also be made towards ourselves and even God himself. Typically, they're made out of resentment and bitterness. However, there may could be also other reasons. Most human beings have made and carried judgments, whether they're aware of it or not. It's important to clarify that to make a judgment, regardless of the circumstances, is always a choice. Before a judgment is spoken, it's formed within the heart. It's crucial to to guard it and to not allow a root of judgment to form. As, for example, Proverbs 4, verse 23, you guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life. You know, it's very crucial. You know, because the heart is very sacred and crucial. And we are to do our very best in maintaining it and guarding it with the best of our ability, with God's help. You may be wondering, well, how do we know if we've made judgments? You know, what are the signs? Like, what are the... What do we look out for? Well, there are three main qualifications. Number one, there are fresh feelings over something long past. You know, say you know, someone, someone sinned against you a couple of years ago, and you're still rambling about it. <laughs> you're, still, you're still rambling about it, you know, and, and you're, still, you're still acting as if it had happened yesterday. And... and and, and dare I say, like the anger, it seems, it seems that the anger is still fresh, even though it was something that was long past. You know, that, you know, that, 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 is, a, that is a key thing to look out for. Number two, a strong overreaction to a situation. You know, say you've been through an experience, and you experience something that reminds you of it. It wasn't the same thing, but we become triggered, and we... And then we have like a, a huge automatic negative response to it. And other people might look at us and say, whoa, whoa, what's, whoa what, what happened to him? What's going on with him? I mean, not, that came out of nowhere. But, but to us or to those who may be dealing with judgments, you know, it makes sense to us at the time because we're, we're thinking about how we're reminded of this one other situation or maybe something that we've been through. And number three, the final one, has to do with having negative patterns, 
negative patterns and situations that will appear in our lives. So a good example for this one is, uh, say that you're in, say that you had a bad experience in a relationship with someone, and you make the judgment and vow that, oh, I'm always, oh, that that was so terrible, and you, and you judge your ex or the person that you're in a relationship with, and you make a vow saying, oh, I'm, oh, I'm probably always going to get into a relationship with bad people, and then. Continually, you'll get into a relationship with bad people. You know, there's, there's a, a, a reaping in that. And it's imperative that we remember that God is the one true judge. He is the one who sits on the judgment seat, and it's his job alone. We have no place to judge others as if we are him. If we're not perfect, then how could we find it appropriate to sit on that seat ourselves? Because we're not perfect. God is the only one that has the right to sit on that judgment seat. It's imperative that we remember that. Now we'll look into inner vows. Inner vows are strong internal statements, always made in response to judgment. Just like the latter, they're formed out of ungodly motivation. An example could be that if we're hurt by someone, we may be tempted to make a vow that we'll never trust others again. When one is clouded by their emotions, it can, it can be quite easy to fall into making a vow. Also, whenever we make such vows, we're actually leaving God out of the picture. Vows that begin with, I'll never, I won't, I'll this or that. Whenever we speak like this, we're taking the power for ourselves, announcing that we'll deal with the matter without God's assistance or help. This is often the result of pride slipping in within ourselves. The hard truth is that without the Lord's help, whatever we set out to do will not succeed. The vows themselves are from places of hurt and anger. They have nothing to do with Him to start with. So, so they're, not, they're not going to be fruitful at all because they don't have God in mind. Whatever vows that we make, the Lord will hold us accountable to In Deuteronomy 23, verse 21, it says, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not slack in paying it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and slackness will be a sin in you. By internalizing vows and declaring them, we're actually setting ourselves up for failure. We're unable to fulfill them without the help of the Lord. Despite that, He will hold us to our word if we decide to declare that to him ourselves. The devil will try to trick us by making us think or believe that we're able to take care of things on our own, that God is not needed. Which, of course, he is. I'd like to to turn to Matthew 5, verse 33 to 37. Bible's with you. Um, Because this, uh, this scripture supports this. And give context, Jesus, had, Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, and he was, and he was um, speaking multiple teachings to his disciples and to the crowds that were gathered. And one of them had to do with um, internalizing vows or oaths. So at verse 33, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, 
neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these comes from the evil one. So basically, as in verse 36, he's saying basically, do not swear yourself because you can't do it yourself. It's not good to do. Whenever we declare something in an ungodly manner, such as a vow, we'll be bonded to it. Whatever we declare, we are required to pay it or accomplish it. As stated before, vows made without God in the picture will not come into fruition. It's very best to not step into them in the first place. So, so now we'll look at spiritual consequences. There are spiritual consequences that are in store as a result of making both judgments and internal vows. Firstly, wherever we judge, we'll be judged in those areas ourselves. And the measure that we give will be returned to us. Judgments are like a boomerang. They'll always come back to hit us. If someone sins against us and we allow judgment to be rooted within us, a door will be opened for the enemy to lead us down a path towards that same offense. There's a woman that I know that uh, her mother committed adultery years ago. And it caused her marriage to fall apart. And the woman, the the daughter, this happened when the daughter was quite young. If 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 my memory serves me right, she was a teenager. And she allowed herself to be filled with absolute bitterness and resentment and judgment towards her mother. Years later, she ended up committing the same thing. And I would like, and um, and I'd say that I know this because I had a front row seat to it of the effects of it. Um, I, I I was allowed to share this example because um, this was actually something that happened within my family. And lo and behold, you know, amazingly, when the daughter had committed that same offense herself, when she ran to her mother. Her mother didn't turn her away. Her mother, even though the daughter, you know, condemned her, you know, shunned her, or whatnot, you know, this had complete bitterness towards her. Her mother was the one that lifted her up. She was the first one to do so. When you think that, you know, she wouldn't, but she did, which was amazing to think about. And by the daughter doing that, it, it had opened a door that the devil will be quick to take advantage of. In Matthew 7, verses 1 to 2, it says, Judge not that you may not be judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. The same level of judgment that she threw towards her mother came back like a boomerang. Another principle is that whatever one sows, they will reap. Galatians 6, verse 7 to 8 shares how we will reap corruption by sowing into the things of the flesh, such as judgments and eternal vows. 
Whatever we give, we will receive. That's a firm spiritual rule of the Lord. It's the same principle as with unforgiveness. If we want to receive God's mercy and forgiveness for ourselves, then we must be willing to extend it and give it ourselves. Living in judgment will also be a major blockage to living in the fullness of what God has for us. Intimacy with the Lord will be affected. Blessings can be delayed or blocked outright. And prayers have a good chance of being unanswered. Also, doors to the enemy will fling wide open. This is the case for eternal vows as well. The words that we speak carry immense power. And that's a truth for everyone, no matter who you are. Whatever vows we speak over ourselves or other people will be reaped if we're unwilling to repent of them. It will actually create a cycle if we're not careful. Say something bad happens to us. If we choose to walk in judgment in the aftermath, an expectancy will form. This leading to a behavior that supports it, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy in our lives. For example, others treated me poorly. I then formed a judgment against myself and spoke vows that backed it, that I was of no value and so on. This led to me expecting that most people would treat me that way by default, which then led to me behaving that way towards myself out of that expectancy. Only with God's help can the cycle be broken. We cannot do this on our own. The last principle has to do with our parents, actually. The Lord requires us to honor our parents, as is said in the Ten Commandments. In addition, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, actually reveals certain promises for those who do. And it reads, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, so that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I must say that when I first read that, I had to pause for a second. And um, I, had to do a, I had to do a double take when I first read that. Because I was, I was a little speechless. And I must say that as a, as a, as a child and throughout my whole life, I've had, a, I've had a wonderful relationship with my parents. And I am thankful for the parents that I have and God putting them in, putting them in my life. However, to be honest, there were times where I did fall into judgment towards them. And there were things I spoke about them that were unkind and unchristlike, unfortunately. The Lord, desi- the Lord desires to give us a long and fulfilling life. By slandering and dishonoring our parents out of judgment and through vows as well, that promise would be negated. I know that there are, I know that there are many who have had struggles with their parents, perhaps out of mistreatment or even abuse. Just to clarify, God isn't asking us to honor what they do or their actions more or less, but the position that they have as parents. We'll have a long and prosperous life if we decide to live in honor because God honors the honorable. To conclude, 
Judgments and inner vows are huge blockers that prevent us from being able to live in the fullness of God. With them, our lives won't be as fruitful spiritually. God the Almighty is the one and only true judge. The seat belongs to Him alone and not us. It's never our place to judge as if we're Him. That never goes well. Also, whatever we speak over ourselves and other people carries immense weight. Vows that we make will bring forth dire consequences for us. However, we do have great news. Hey, Hey. one person's excited about that. That's wonderful. Uh, Hey, wonderful. Yes, fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic. We have a father who desires to see us set free from them, as it's never been his will for us to live that way. All it takes is for us to approach him for his help. If we do, he'll always be willing to help cleanse us from them. Only with his help can it be done. He has helped me with them, and he will gladly help you as well. Because he's faithful and loving and kind, and he is gracious and compassionate. All he's asking is for you to give him the access, and he'll gladly take it. So now, I'd like to invite everyone to stand. Now, I know that I know that perhaps this topic has been a lot, or may have been difficult. And I feel strongly tonight that the Lord wants to set many people free from the bondages of judgments and vows. And again, we cannot do it on our own. It is only through partnering with the Lord can we find true freedom. And I would like to lead us through multiple prayers. If you felt that the Lord has been revealing areas where you've judged or have made inner vows towards yourself or other people, then I'll invite you to repeat these prayers after me. Firstly, we'll say a prayer of repentance for casting judgments and vows. The first step in the process is repentance. That alone will open the door for God to do the work he needs within us. Okay. Now, repeat after me. Lord, I come before you now. I've realized that I've made judgments. If anything is coming to mind, you name them out to the Lord. It could be over yourself. It could be towards God. It could be towards other people. Now repeat after me. Lord, I give them to you. They don't belong to me anymore. I ask instead to be filled with your mercy and kindness. Now we'll do vows. Now repeat after me. Lord, I've realized that I have made ungodly vows. 
I repent for speaking them over myself, others, and even before you. If there's any vowels that come to mind, name them. Be after me. I give them. I give them to you now, for they are no longer mine to carry. Father, thank you for your loving kindness and mercy. We love you, Lord. Amen. Now, finally, I'm going to lead us through a prayer of forgiveness. Often when we're hurt by other people, judgments will form as a result of unforgiveness. The the truth is that the two go hand in hand with each other. By releasing forgiveness, we're also releasing whoever we're forgiving from judgment. Now repeat after me. Father, Father, I come before you now. now. There are people in my life who I need to forgive. I release them. If there's anyone coming up, speak them out. And also, if you can, if you're able to, what it was that had happened or what they'd done, what is that you forgive them for? Now, pray after me. Lord. I release them to you. I release them from any judgments that I've carried against them. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. I ask that you forgive me for holding others in judgment. Also, I ask that you would help me to not walk in judgment going forward. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, um, I would like to invite um, the rest of 